All right, thank you, Mark. That was awesome. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, glad, glad you're here. Nora, welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. Uh, we'll get to hear him again during our offering time, and then after the service, they'll be in the lobby. If you'd like to meet them, you can slip out there and meet them. Plus, I think they brought some CDs along, right? Yeah, those, those are actually, those are all out for donation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're a generous church, so it'll be more than that, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, go ahead and uh, thanks so much. That was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, let's give him another hand. That's great. Okay, so go ahead and grab your message notes out of your program, and we're just going to jump in today because we get to talk about pursuing grace uh, that we sing about, heard Mark play, heard him tell a story about grace. You know, your Bible, you can open it to Galatians chapter 6, and I'll jump in in chapter, I mean, verse 6 in just a little bit. But what I want to do is at the top of your notes is our theme verse, and I, and I thought that you know, every week I've spoken in a series that we've read it together, but specifically, I think, for our Independence Day weekend, I thought that this verse is so relevant. So I was going to ask if we could pop that verse on the screen, and then I'm going to ask if we could read it out loud together. That'd be great. Ready to go. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. There's a lot of meaning in that verse, both for us as followers of Jesus, but then uh, the concept of freedom is something that we want to take seriously and stand up for in a world that wants to take away many of the freedoms that the original founders that they made in place when they established our great country. And so as we celebrate this weekend, let's think about the fact that we do not want to go again to a place of slavery, but we as even a nation and as individuals, personally, we want to uphold the freedoms that we were given and that were paid for by a dear price. And at the end of the service today, we'll just have a moment of silence and a moment of prayer uh, to pray for our country and our nation. So what Paul is doing is he's taking us back to the basics of Christianity and the key foundation of the Christian faith is grace. And so the message of Galatians is this, as we've looked at it, is you have been set free by grace, now live by grace, or pursue grace, or let grace be your highest aim as you're moving through life. And as we've seen, grace is the God-given, son-initiated, spirit-delivered power from God to live in relationship to him. So it involves the Trinity, involves what God did to initiate, and it's all about establishing a relationship with him, and it's all about keeping and living the power of having a relationship with him. So I would just say this, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, God's grace is for everyone, and it's available. It's available even when you've blown it, even if you're here today and maybe this is your first time to Twin Cities and, or you've been here a few times and you look around the room and you think, uh, these people don't need grace like I need grace. And, uh, but I just want you to know just right up front, we all need grace. We all need God's grace. And so as Paul has shown us, he's shown us how you need God's grace to enter into God's family that's through justification. We talked about that, being made right with God. I couldn't do that on my own. and you know, There's no self-improvement model that would make me acceptable to him. And I also need God's grace to be able to live in relationship with him or to be transformed. We call that sanctification and being made into the image of Christ. 
So the gospel message is not just, hey, by the way, listen to this, because here's what you need in order to get your ticket to heaven and punch it. No, the gospel message is more than that. It's what God has done to make it possible for me to be made acceptable, for you to be made acceptable. We could not do it on our own, to be made acceptable to God so we could be in relationship with him. And then he added the power to walk in relationship with him. So let's read our verses for today. Verses 6 through 10, and it starts with, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. So today what we're going to do is we're going to consider this concept of sowing and reaping. And we're going to look at it under the, uh, the, the, the bigger picture of this is that as I experience grace, then as I sow and reap through life, as I walk with God, then God blesses me. And as Mark just shared just a few moments ago, then I am able to share with others out of what God has given me. So I've called this today free to give. Now, sowing means to, when you're going to plant a field, first you have to prepare it, and then you have to plant the seeds. Reaping is obvious. That means harvest and celebration. Uh, last September, uh, my brother-in-law planted wheat in his fields in the soil out in the Oklahoma Panhandle. That's where I grew up, Oklahoma Panhandle. And I was able to visit there in the beginning of June when the wheat was ready for harvest, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. They had had a lot of rain this particular year. And so everywhere that you went, there were just field after field after field of amber waves of grain. It was just beautiful. And so I took a picture standing out in one of the fields. And so you can see that. And uh, it was actually not designed for this message. It was actually a picture uh, just to take us back to the roots of Gladiator. So those of you who've seen Gladiator... Uh, and then as I was preparing for my talk today, I thought it works great for the talk as well uh, to talk about that. So that's going to be up there just for a little bit as we look at it. So while I was there also, I went out into my brother-in-law's field and cut some stalks of wheat. Uh, and I know many of you, you know, you've never seen wheat uh, in a field. And so see how tall it is? It's like this. And then the seeds are in here and it's harvested and then ends up, the farmer ends up with the seed. So I just wanted you to be able to see this, to kind of see the picture here. And the idea is this, what you sow, you will reap. What you sow, you will reap. You cannot plant sunflower seeds and expect to grow wheat. <laughs> just not going to happen. It's not going to work that. You can't plant watermelon seeds and expect to grow wheat. It's not going to happen. You have to plant wheat seeds in order to get wheat. It's just the law of nature. It's the way God set it up to be. And so what you sow, you will reap. Universal principle of life. And I just say today for us, it's an essential thing for us to think about in our spiritual lives. 
And we're going to see today why, as Paul gives us a word of warning. This is a word of warning today. It's a word of challenge as he talks to us about sowing and reaping. And the truth is, whatever we plan to reap in the future, whatever we'd like in the future that we plan to reap is determined by our present choices, determined by what we do today. Every time I think a thought, every time I speak a word, every time I perform a deed, I plant a seed. And so when you get down the road, and sometimes down the road is soon, and sometimes down the road we've not even seen yet, that we will be reaping based upon what we did now in this time. So now notice verse 7. I'm going to go back and pick these verses apart just a little bit and look at them. Verse 7 says this, do not be deceived. It's a strong word. Uh, Do not be deceived. Uh, We have a strong propensity to be able to live in self-deception. This is why it's so critical that we live in an environment, if we're followers of Jesus, that we live in an environment where we have Christ ambassadors around us Because we can so self-deceive ourselves into believing certain things. And we need others to be able to speak in to the truth, the reality as they see it, about our lives and who we are. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Underline that. Circle it. Highlight that. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Now, that word mocked there is an attitude that results in a behavior. Okay, it's an attitude that results in a behavior. It basically means to turn your nose up, to thumb your nose at God, at his word, at his ways. It's to actually sneer at God. It means to put God to the margins. It means to silence his voice. Don't want to hear anything about God and what he says. It means to ignore him. It means to live as if he doesn't exist. So folks, listen to me. This warning is for every one of us, every one of us. You cannot live in the present as if there will be no future reckoning. You cannot do that. Don't confuse God's patience. Don't confuse his mercy and think that he's weak or think that he's absent or somehow he's overlooking your actions because whatever you sow, you will reap. So don't be deceived. You can sow what you want and then think that the outcome will be different in the long run. That somehow we can do what we please and get away with it. See, we all choose. We all make choices about where and what we're going to sow. We all choose whether we're going to listen to God. We all choose whether we're going to sow to our flesh or we sow to our spirit. And I have a quote I want to read to you. It's very lengthy, and I'm just going to ask you to really hang with me. It'll be on the screens as well. This is from C.S. Lewis about this whole concept of choice. Every time you make a choice, you're turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. Got that? Every time you make a choice, you're choosing the central part of you into something different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you're slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God 
and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the kind of the one kind of creature is heaven. That is, it is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, emptiness, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing to the one state or the other. Isn't that deep? Isn't that a warning? Isn't that a challenge? So what C.S. Lewis is warning us about and what Paul wants to warn us about today is this. Every choice we make is hardwiring into us, is turning something central, a central part of us, toward one thing or the other. Every choice. So the question is, what is the future to which you are binding yourself to by the choices you make? That's the question. What is the future you will reap because of what you're sowing today? What you will sow, you will reap. You cannot thumb your nose at this principle that God has put into place. And that's why it's so important that we talk about this today. I remember, and I told some of you this story before, but I remember when I graduated from high school, uh, that it was uh, graduation, you know, it was like the week before graduation. And, uh, you know, all the 18-year-old boys like me, we're pretty, we're feeling a lot of energy. You can't wait to get out. And uh, I was a little bit ornery. And so uh, a, a couple of friends and I decided that what we would do is that it was lunchtime and our campus had a main entrance and with steps coming up and then with a porch that went over it that was flat, concrete. And so what we decided to do is we decided that we would go out, we'd fill some buckets with water and that what we would do is we'd go outside and we would dump water on students as they're coming in just because, okay, <laughs> just because. And so we did that. We filled the buckets up with water. And so we walk out. We're on, we're on the edge. We're not looking. We're just, and so at the count of three, we all tipped our buckets over and we looked over and watched as the water went down. And to our horror, there was the principal of the school. <laughs> Oh my, yeah, that's what I say. Oh my. So we didn't stay. We ran, of course. And we hid in the school, thinking that that would somehow, that he wouldn't find us there. But he found us and he marched us to his office. And one by one, he took us to his office and he set us down. And so when my time came that I sat in the chair, he looked at me and with a serious look, he said, Thompson, he said, you're about to graduate and you're about to go out into the world. And I just want you to know one thing. The world will not put up with your choices like this, choices you're making, with your, you know, the things that you're doing, with your disrespect. The world will not put up with that. And then he said, and now you have a choice. You can graduate this Friday with the rest of your students, uh, not graduate this Friday with the rest of your students, or you can, get, you can meet my paddle. And so I'd met the paddle before. And so uh, I, I wanted to graduate. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, here guys do the paddle. So uh, he, you know, I bent over and he had this like two foot long homemade paddle that he used. And I got four swats uh, that I will never forget, okay, uh, at that moment. And so here's what I wish. 
I wish that I had listened to his words. I wish that those words had sunk in at that moment. Now, they rang in my head, and they still ring in my head. But I went years before I finally said, you know what? The seeds I'm planting are leading to destruction, and I made a change. So what I'm hoping today is that the words of warning that Paul gives us that you actually listen to today and you actually apply and that you don't allow continual pain and suffering and difficulty to be planted in your life because of the choices that you make. And so what I'd say is, as I look at this, is I'm just so grateful for grace. This imperfect man needs grace. And because I know that grace was available for me, I have so much hope for you as well. Because grace is available for you. So now let's take these verses apart, okay? So I have three ideas that all talk about this idea of why we can give, but we have to kind of get there as we take it apart. So the first is this. I have to refuse to sow to the desires of the flesh. I have to refuse to sow to the desires of the flesh. If you weren't here on June 19th for Father's Day, I just encourage you to please watch or listen to that day when I broke down the reality that we actually have, as followers of Jesus, we have two operating systems in us. See, before we come to Jesus, we only have one operating system that works within us, and it's called the FOS, or the Flesh Operating System. So before we come to Jesus, we have one. Uh, And so that one Flesh Operating System, it's all about self. It's self-focused. It seeks self-fulfillment. It's self-indulgent, and as Paul talks about in Galatians, it's actually self-atoning, believing that I can earn my salvation by my works. See, when we come to know Jesus then, Jesus plants his operating system in us, and it's called the spirit operating system, or SOS, the spirit operating system within us. And now we have the Holy Spirit in us to guide us, to instruct us, to empower us, to change us, to transform us, and to heal us. Now, the the deal is this. Before you came to Jesus, you had one. And after you come to Jesus, you have two. And both of them remain. Before you came to Jesus, the flesh operating system reigned. After you come to Jesus, the flesh operating system, system remains. And now, the spirit operating system, your choices will allow it to reign in your life. That's the goal. And so just know that as we have these operating systems within us, it's going to be a constant struggle until you die and go to heaven. Until you die and go to heaven. But even though it's a struggle, you have to know that sin or the flesh operating system no longer has to reign in your life. We have both systems. And so the question is, who's going to rule in your life, you or your flesh or God? Now, verse 8a, this is what Paul says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap will from the flesh reap corruption. Circle that word, highlight it, corruption. Those who sow seeds based upon the FOS will reap corruption. Now, you're going to keep your notes on the front side, okay? Here's somebody already turning. You know, stay on the front side because we're going to do business here. And we're going to just ask for you to contemplate ways in which you are operating out of the flesh operating system, okay? So we're going to do that for just in just a minute. So what are some ways that we can... So to the flesh. So I'm just going to give you some ideas. I'm just going to ask you to be honest with yourself. And if you have ideas, you write them down. Or if maybe some of these trigger, you would write it down as well. So one way I sow to the flesh is whenever I hold on to grudges, whenever I fuse to forgive. Another way I sow to the flesh is whenever I play around in my mind with impurity. 
pornography, impure thoughts, impure movies, whatever it happens to be. I play around in my mind. One way I sow to the flesh is whenever I I nurture my self-pity. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how often I find myself in this path. Nurture my self-pity. I sow to the flesh, and whenever I put off until tomorrow what I could do today. Who wants you to put off till tomorrow what you could do today? Satan. Because he knows that if you do it today, that you'll be further along in your dreams, God's goals for you in your life. I sow to the flesh when I try to control or manage that which is not mine to control or manage. Anybody want to just say this is where you're at? Yeah, that's me. I sow to the flesh, and whether I lie or I'm not honest, or I give someone else the impression that I'm different than I am. I sow to the flesh when my mind is on things that are not good or worthy. The opposite of Romans, I mean, uh, excuse me, Philippians 4.8. The opposite of Philippians 4.8. I sow to the flesh whenever I believe that the desires given to me by God are greater than the commandments given to me by God. I sow to the flesh. So what is the result of sowing to the flesh? Well, Paul says, and this is the word of deep care. Some of you may think this is radical, this is harsh. This is the most caring thing that you could ever hear from the words of Paul or from the Bible. He says that when we sow to the desires of the flesh, the flesh operating system, that what we reap, what's coming, guaranteed, it's coming, We reap corruption, decay, disintegration, destruction. It leads to a long, slow death. Some of you are going, I'm so glad I came today. How about you, right? (laughs) But here's what God wants, okay? I just say as tenderly as I can. God wants to say to you, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I want something so much more for you. And so what he says is, next, instead, choose to sow to the desire of the Spirit. Choose to sow to the desire of the Spirit. I get to make a choice. Remember the words from C.S. Lewis, I get to make a choice. Now let's look at 8b. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Circle that word, eternal life. Talking about the opposite as we look at it in everything. So how do I sow the Spirit? So we've got some blanks there. I'm going to give you a chance to write in. Some ideas about how we sow to the Spirit. And uh, the first thing I think I need to know that we need to know is just say, I desire the Spirit. So that's the first thing. But I think that uh, the key here is your Bible. The key here to sowing to the Spirit is your Bible. So this book, if you'll remember your Bible, uh, it says that it was inspired, it was breathed by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, if it's inspired and breathed by the Holy Spirit, then this is his word to me. This is guidance for me. This is full of the ways that he would want me to live. So I know I have to read this book if I'm going to be able to live in the desires of the Spirit. So, But first, if I'm really going to get honest, the first thing I have to do, if I'm going to you know, walk in the Spirit, the first thing I have to do, is you've, if you've never done this, is you must receive Jesus Christ. You must receive Jesus You must accept what he did when he went to the cross for you. As we sing about amazing grace, he went to the cross for you so that you would experience life and peace and love and walk with the Father. You have the Spirit whenever you place your faith in Jesus Christ, and he plants the Spirit operating system within you at that moment. And so it's essential 
that if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you have to say yes to Jesus first. And some of you haven't done that. I'm going to give you a chance to do that when we wrap up our time today. Second, I showed this, so did the Spirit when I just learned to walk with him. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Fritz made it really clear about walking, how many steps we take in a day, and if we could walk all those steps in alignment with the Spirit. As he, Paul has talked to us in Galatians 5, 16, 18, and 25, he says we must walk in the Spirit. I so did the Spirit when I surrender to him. Now, this is hard stuff. I, I sow to the Spirit whenever I surrender to him, and I say to him, I, I'm going to depend on you to make decisions. Uh, I'm going to learn to rely on you to empower me to carry out the decisions that you've given me. I'm going to learn to celebrate what you're doing in me because it's in celebration that I'm inspired to take even more steps with him uh, out of gratitude. I'm going to Listen as he prompts me, as we just heard Mark share just a minute ago, to share God's grace with others, to give it away. I sowed my spirit when I set my heart on things above, as Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 1. I sowed the spirit whenever I love like Jesus commanded me to love. I sowed the spirit when I'm generous with what God has given me. I sow to the Spirit whenever I engage in God's purposes that he's planted within me. I sow to the Spirit whenever I help the poor. I sow to the Spirit whenever I rejoice with the joyful, whenever I mourn with the grieving, whenever I serve the widow, whenever I care for the disabled. Okay, so what's the result? Well, look at what had you underlined, the word eternal life. Now, Paul says that. He says we will reap eternal life, and that means more than just quantity of life, Okay. Oh, yeah, I live for eternity. That means much more than that. It also means quality of life that begins now. It begins now. As I walk in his kingdom, I get to experience that. It means God wants to give you to walk with you and you to experience his very life in his presence. So I love the Psalms. I love reading the Psalms. And listen to the psalmist as he laments honestly, and then as he talks about God and what he's done and what he's doing. Okay, last idea is this. Generously sow for the good of others. Generously sow for the good of others. So Paul gives us three categories that we should be generous with. Three categories. And so the first one, I'm going to go back because we skipped it, is verse 6. And this is what he says in verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. And so I've been waiting all morning for this application. (laughs) Paul is saying to make sure that those who serve in the kitchen and cook up what God is saying to them and then deliver that, that they are honored and valued and cared for. He's saying, be generous with your pastors. That's what he's saying. He says, take financial care of your pastors. Now, I can be so comfortable saying that this morning. I really can, because it's his word there. It's right there. But also because you do such a good job at this. Our church does such an awesome job. And so there is no motive in me, no motive at all to say that this church doesn't take good care of its pastors because you do. You do. And so I'm just encouraging you today. One, I'm going to say thank you for that. But the other thing is I want to say is I just want you to think about when you do give, that when you give here, that you are investing in what God is doing. And one of the ways that that investment plays out 
is when we're able to share generously with those who feed us the word. And so I just encourage you with that. And then he talks about two other categories. We're called to be generous in verses 9 and 10. He says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Circle that, everyone. And especially those who are of the household of faith. So you circle that as well, those who are of the household of faith. So two more categories he's saying that we should be generous with based upon we're sowing, we're reaping, we're sowing and reaping so that we can be a blessing. And so two other categories. And the first one is just everyone, everyone. So as followers of Jesus, and this is where some of us just get so, so we're just too tight on this. Uh, we just need to loosen up a little bit, is that he's called us to love everyone, not just those who are like us, not just those who are like us. He's called us to love even those who are functioning fully under the flesh operating system, fully. So we must love everyone, regardless of their race, economic status, their political party, their religious viewpoint, their sexual identification their beauty, their status, or their education. We must love everyone. And he said it, as you have opportunity, learn to do that. And then he says, to do good to those who are in the family of faith. And this is another way I just want to commend you as a church today, is that we love each other. We do our best at taking care of the needs of the body of Christ called Twin Cities Church. And the only way we're able to do that is if you... Look at it as your responsibility that when every opportunity comes, you ask yourself, is this an opportunity for me to step into and to bless someone else with what I've been blessed by God? See, I just think that if we can learn as a church, and I, I, this, this is no, not saying we're not doing this, okay, but we can always be better, right? If we can be better at loving each other, at loving each other, I just think, what if in our world, followers of Jesus were generous with their time, their talents, and their treasures? What if we were known for being generous? What if we were known for loving each other? I, I, I've heard this so many times. People say, I can't go to that church anymore, or I can't go to church, or I would never go to church because of the way they treat each other. Oh, it just grieves me, and I know it grieves the heart of God as well. What if we could love each other genuinely in a way that when people looked in, they're like, I want to be part of a place like that. They take care of each other. They are concerned. So three ideas. Refuse to sow to the desires of the flesh. Choose to sow to the desires of the spirit. And then generously sow for the good of others. And then what happens is we will reap God's harvest of blessings. And I love the phrase, we will be blessed so that we can be a blessing. Now, I want you to write these thoughts down and then I'm finished. Four thoughts about reaping and sowing. First, we reap what we sow. Remember, I made that clear. We reap what we sow. You harvest what you plant. Secondly, we reap later than we sow. This is the hard part. We reap later than we sow. So this is why Paul encourages us not to grow weary because sometimes the reaping, sometimes the harvest, it actually may not even happen in our lifetime. Think of the harvest that is happening as we sing Amazing Grace written in the 1700s. And so there's harvest that's still being reaped. 
crops are still being reaped because of him writing that song. There's always, I just say this, there's always a gap between the time we plant and the time that we sow. September to June is how long it took from the time this was planted until it was actually sown. And then we reap lastly, oh, excuse me, thirdly, we reap more than we sow. So we plant a seed. In our backyard, we have a plum tree. And that plum tree, we planted with a seed, and uh, we've watched it grow, and so it's grown up, and then last year, we got about 60 plums from that plum tree. Unfortunately, we're only getting about two this year, because I didn't do a very good job. (laughs) Oh, and lastly, we reap if we sow. This last point, we reap if we sow. Here's the reality. The things that we're investing in today, the things that we are participating in today, will have an impact on our reality tomorrow. So Paul wants us to know, your today matters. What you do today matters. The actions you take, the choices you make, they really have significance. They really do matter. I'm just going to read one more section of scripture that talks about this idea. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decides, has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you and me abound in every good work. Reaping and sowing. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word and the power of your word. And Lord, I know that for some of us, this may have been hard today because it really is a word of warning. And so it had to be delivered with that kind of serious posture. At the same time, it's a word of hope. And so it had to be delivered with hopefulness. And so, God, I pray that we would focus on what you would say to us, each one of us today. And if there's that person who's never said yes to Jesus, you're coming today and you say, I want Jesus because I want the spirit in me. You would say, Jesus, as much as I understand it today, I I just want to say, I need you. I've sinned. I've been living out of my flesh operating system. And today I just want to announce that you died on the cross for me. You made it possible for me to be forgiven. You made it possible for me to be cleansed, dear Jesus. Thank you so much. And I want to receive that. I want to be made right with God. And now I want to live the rest of my life for him. And Father, there's some in the room, and this this is a time of tenderness for you. This is a time where you would be serious with God. You know that you're living out of the flesh operating system. And you know that it's hurting you. And today you realize even more that it's hurting your future. And every time we live out of the flesh operating system, someone is hurt. Part of it is, is that we're not able to live with joy because we have guilt. So today, I just want everyone to know that we do not have to leave here with guilt. That we can choose today to say, I'm turning my life over to the Spirit. I'm going to walk with the Spirit. I know that I have this other side that pulls at me, but it's my desire to choose the Spirit every time. And God, I pray that you would help us be generous, that we would share 
generously with others so that as we share generously that they can see hope. Uh, I think as Mark shared, that as people shared with him, that he had hope again as he saw grace being lived out in his life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.